Today is July 14th, le 14 juillet in France, marking the storming of the Bastille in 1789, the first victory of the people of Paris against a symbol of the old regime, the Ancien Régime, as we learn from France diplomacy. We're hearing music composed by a musician, swordsman, and officer in the court of Louis XV, Le Chevalier de Saint-Georges. Born Joseph Bologna on a plantation on the island of Guadeloupe, his father was a rich plantation owner and his mother a black slave. Bologna's family moved to France, and as his life unfolded, he actually became Marie Antoinette's music teacher for a while, according to Jean Lamont, the conductor. And then he was fired from that job, she tells us, because they got too close. But the Queen of France remained a supporter. He commissioned six symphonies by Joseph Haydn, which he conducted himself. He wrote string quartets, concertos, symphonies, and operas, which were performed at the Palais Royal. He had money, fame, and social standing. But the coming of the French Revolution would change everything. For a lot of his life, he was friends with the aristocracy, and so he owed a lot of his prosperity to the monarchy, according to journalist Andrea Valentino. And yet, when it came down to it, he decided to side with the revolution. And come the revolution, a legion, a black legion, is organized, researcher and historian Mario Valdez says. The Chevalier led 800 infantrymen and 200 cavalry against France's enemies. It came to be known as the Légion Saint-Georges. He fought alongside the father of the great novelist, Alexandre Dumas. The French Revolution descended into this paranoid mess, Valentino says. You could be a good revolutionary one day, and the next day you were the enemy of the people. And so Le Chevalier, like many other people who previously had been heroes of the revolution, he was denounced, and he was in prison for a year. And he was lucky to survive because many, many people who were arrested were just guillotined. After his release, the Chevalier was unable to restart his military and musical careers. No matter how successful he was, and how intellectual he was, and how much an accomplished sportsman he was, there was always this chain of race dragging behind him that was pulling him back, Valentino says. Much of the Chevalier's music was lost during the Revolution, and what survived was quickly forgotten. But a couple of decades ago, the music world began to once again take notice of his work. Nowadays, he's rather more famous than he used to be in France, Valentino says. People do recitals of his music quite a lot. A street is now named after him in Paris, so hopefully this is the beginning of a revival in interest in Le Chevalier. All that from Gary Wallach from WBUR in Boston for Only a Game in 2019. And another example of a revival in September of 2022, a biographical film about Saint-Georges had its world premiere at the Toronto Film Festival and was released here in the States in April this year by Searchlight Films. 
and it is one of the 22 films to be screened in the next 21 days as part of Summerfest 2020, the annual summer film festival at the Dietrich Theater in Tunkhannock. Ronnie Harvey is general theater manager and film booker at the Dietrich, and he stopped in to give us a sense of what's on offer. I looked over the summer film festival and I saw a, a theme of kind of personal and professional growth and development was kind of a theme within. There are so many different kinds of stories being told that involve people finding out who they are and then going back and trying to connect with loved ones that they lost touch with to find their new selves. So many stories about people that are in the arts that are trying to make a name for themselves and getting hit with roadblocks and and knowing that their talent is going to be beloved at some point in the future. There are so many movies in this festival that deal with that and the opening night movies also have a strange theme in the sense that they're both starring 90s sitcom royalty. So our first film, You Hurt My Feelings, stars Julie Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld. And it's the story her and her husband have this wonderful marriage. Everyone's jealous of them almost about how perfect their marriage is. And she's an author. And at one point, she overhears her husband give his honest opinion about her work. And he's been lying to her. He doesn't like it. And so then it's this story unfolds about what it means to tell those little white lies to your loved one. And if that really can impact your relationship, what that really means for your future and for them in general. But it's a, it's a sharp, funny, witty comedy take on that very real situation that does happen to people all the time. We all tell little white lies to each other. <laughs> How do you feel today? Oh, I'm good. Oh, you look great in that. We all do those kinds of things when we don't think it sometimes. And then our second film is Somewhere in Queens, starring two 90s sitcom royalty, Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond and Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne. So this is the story of a father who is deeply devoted to his son, who is a basketball player. And he wants to get his son out of the mundanity of his life, which is working for the family business. And he thinks he's a star basketball player. He's going to make it. And so he has these ambitions for him that he can't necessarily live up to. And so it's a story of this close-knit Italian family dealing with, with what it means to have this pressure put on part of their family and and how they can best deal with his now burgeoning love that he's he's focusing on instead of focusing on his future and what what the future really means to him they are choosing the future for him instead of letting him choose his own future but it's also a very funny witty comedic take on that family dynamic So those two movies alone are a combo pack for me. But there are so many movies in here that that deal with this personal and professional development. We have have two films that I think kind of play for your audience in the sense we got Chevalier. Now, Chevalier is the true story of Chevalier de Saint-Georges, well-renowned now violinist and composer, but not so much throughout history. So it tells this true but untold story 
of his rise in the community and his fall, not necessarily fall from grace, but the roadblocks that were put in place for him because he was a black man. The brochure tells it the best. It says, Chevalier is the untold story that you never knew, filled with intrigue, passion, and incomparable music. So you've got all of those things put together in that movie. And then Paint is kind of a whole different little take on this. It, it's, it's not a true story, but if you look at the picture, you're going to go, hmm, this guy looks familiar. And it is a kind of farcical take on Bob Ross. It isn't Bob Ross, but if you look, there's a lot of similarities to it. So it's this funny tale about this guy who's a Bob Ross-like guy who works for public television as an artist and paints his happy little trees. (laughs) And then a younger, more beloved person tries to encroach on his territory. And it's, what do you do if you're being pushed out, essentially? And so it's this funny little story that lives in the world of Bob Ross. So if you like Bob Ross, you might find an interest in this movie. And it's Owen Wilson. And it's Owen Wilson as Bob Ross, quote unquote. There's three movies in here that kind of deal with a similar topic. And I didn't realize it until after the film festival was all done. And it's a very timely topic. And that is of the gender binary, essentially. Joyland is a film about a family and the young man in the family goes and becomes a member of a traveling troupe of performers. And in there, there is a trans woman that he falls for. And it's the story of the dynamic of this very conservative family dealing with the ramifications of what that means for them. And he himself wasn't prepared to fall into this and and fall for her. And then La Mencita, starring Penelope Cruz, also deals with, she's a mother who's navigating one of her children who seems to be in the process of dealing with a transition. And so it's, it's her facing all of these people in her life telling her that her daughter is strange, that there's something wrong with her. And it's this whimsical tale of the mother and daughter coming together and finding their relationship and bonding over the possible transition of her daughter. And then Monica is a film about a trans woman who comes home to see her ill mother. And the mother has no idea that she has transitioned. So we have these three films that deal with something that is very timely and important, and it it shines a light on a topic that people are using and and discussing and, and puts a personal touch to them. So maybe you or someone you know can understand the plight better and get a new understanding. And that's what films can do for us. Absolutely. A few of the movies in here, well, there's one in particular that I want to bring up. If you're at all squeamish, I told the the people that came to see the trailer pack, hey, there's a trailer in here that's going to get real, that's going to get real violent. So if you're all squeamish, be prepared. And so I told them that and then I'm up in the booth and I'm listening and the trailer starts and a moment happens that I knew was going to cause it. And I heard them all audibly gasp and I was like, I warned you. <laughs> so it's called Sisu. And Sisu 
is a fictionalized tale of a man who's he's like a wanderer. It's kind of like imagine a John Wick style movie. He's a wanderer. He finds all this gold and it's during World War II, but he can't get the gold. And all that gold was lost by Nazis. And so now he has this gold and he's got to trek across the wilderness and the Nazis come to stop him. But unbeknownst to them, he's a brilliant assassin. And so what transpires is him just killing all these Nazis. But it's done in almost a comedic fashion. But it's it's one of those movies that is so visually stunning. And the character development of this man is worth the price of admission. So if you're at all not into blood, gore, violence, don't come to Sisu. Um, and then to go back to the personal and professional development, A Good Person stars Florence Pugh, Morgan Freeman, and it's about a young woman who is about to marry into a family, and she's in a accident with the daughter of the family, and the daughter passes away. And the father is played by Morgan Freeman, and she blames herself for the accident that happens, and they meet up at a support group at the same time, and she doesn't want to interact with him. She doesn't want to see him anymore because all of it's ruined and she blames herself. And so it's this this sweet and sometimes funny look at why our lives come together, like certain people can come together and how those people can mend the the relationships and, and work out and fix each other, essentially. And it's directed by Zach Braff, who did Garden State. And so everybody says it is a wonderful, beautiful, exceptional story. Showing up is Michelle Williams. We all love Michelle Williams. And she plays a sculptor who is about to present her work for the first time to society, essentially. And so she's putting on her first show. And it's the story about how all of the characters in her life like come to her and, and kind of put these roadblocks in front of her and don't let her succeed in the moment for what she believes will be her opus, the beginning of her career, essentially. And so that's another lovely look at personal and professional development. Another movie that I really want to highlight for for me personally, Past Lives, looks to be exquisite. as It was rated one of the top 10 best movies of the year so far, and it follows Nora and Sung. They were childhood friends in South Korea. And, you know, you have the that person that you connect with on a level as a child, and then you lose touch with each other, essentially. And so she moves to America, starts her life, and, and, and she hasn't heard from him. She hasn't thought about him. And then he messages her and says, hey, I'm coming to America. And so she's now a married woman, but she has this lingering thought in the back of her head, like, what if, essentially? The what if. And so it's this story of of them meeting up again and where that goes, you'll have to find out. There's another one that I, I've noticed there's a lot of, of movies in here that are that are on the edge of funny. <laughs> there there's humor in all of them, but there's <laughs> there's something else underneath it. But Blackberry is one of those ones that's pitch dark funny. Do y'all remember Blackberries? Like I think we all remember the little phones. So this film is about hubris, essentially. <laughs> Blackberry is a story of the, the creators behind it and how they thought they had the revolutionary thing. This was it. And for a time, it was. But then 
It's about the people behind the scenes that didn't necessarily know what they were doing. And a little thing, little man called Steve Jobs came <laughs> and essentially took them out. But it's it's this funny look at at hubris and what what all of these people in the boardroom think is the right way to go. <laughs> and it just shows you how wrong they were on every single front. So it's a funny, funny look at that. There are so many New York Yankee fans still in the area. There are people who hate the New York Yankees, but nobody can say that Yogi Berra isn't a phenomenon. And almost a household name because I'm not necessarily a baseball fan either. But as soon as I saw, I heard the name Yogi Berra, I know who Yogi Berra is. And it, it says so in the trailer as you're watching it. There, there is a group of men that are hailed as the best living baseball players of yesteryear, essentially. And the granddaughter of Yogi Berra turned to him who's sitting on the couch and she goes, well, you're not dead. Like, why are you not included in this? He's like, I guess I'm dead. I don't know. <laughs> and so basically it's the story of how Yogi Berra became almost a punchline in the community and how that impacted his legacy. And this documentary gives you a look at what we missed in the process of that and how we can reevaluate now his legacy while he's still here with us. You were talking about Chevalier earlier, and that is set in France at the time of Marie Antoinette. And you have The Lost King, which looks back to a much earlier time, historical time in English history. Yeah, so The Lost King stars Sally Hawkins from Shape of Water a few years back, and it tells the story of this this lost woman, essentially. I'll say she's lost in her personal and professional development, if you will, at the time, and she goes to see a performance, and in that performance, she becomes obsessed with King Richard. She becomes obsessed with finding where King Richard was buried. And it's a true story, mind you. This is a true story. And so she's kind of having these visions of King Richard, and he's kind of helping her along the way. And everyone around her is telling her that she's crazy. There's no way she'll be able to find the lost burial site of King Richard. Spoiler alert. She does. And so it's this true story about this woman who who makes it her life's mission. She finds value in this, and it helps her find herself in the process. So it's another one of those films. It's another one of those films. And this is happening in real time, folks. Like, I'm finding out that they're all, they all seem to have this personal and professional development angle that was not planned, I promise you. It's not too late for folks to attend the opening night. Tell us what we can expect. Absolutely. You can still get tickets. There are still some available. And what we do is we have two films. You'll see You Hurt My Feelings first. There'll be light hors d'oeuvres, wine and beer from Nimble Hill. We'll have coffee and, and whatnot and popcorn and soda and all of that. And then you'll watch that film. And then in between, before you watch Somewhere in Queens, you will have our delectable strawberry shortcake dessert that we are famous for. And there'll be coffee and tea and whatnot. You can go to DietrichTheater.com for more information or you can call the number 570-836-1022 extension 3 to get those tickets. So this time, 22 films in 21 days. 22 films in 21 days. So mark your calendars appropriately because there's one extra movie. 
Ronnie Harvey, General Theatre Manager and Film Booker at the Dietrich Theatre in Tunkanak, speaking with us about Summerfest 2023, the annual Summer Film Festival, and this time round, 22 films to be screened in 21 days, beginning this evening, July 14th, and running through August 3rd. For more information on the web, dietrichtheater.com, and that's D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H, theaters, E-R, dietrichtheater.com. And you can find the theater at 60 East Tioga Street in Tunkanic. Again, it's Summerfest 2023 at the Dietrich Theater, 60 East Tioga Street in Tunkanic, July 14th through August 3rd. 22 films in 21 days. DietrichTheater.com. <laughs> <laughs>